everybody. Welcome to episode number 28. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, this episode, fascinating, had an opportunity to talk to a couple IJs, internet jocks. And believe it or not, I actually had a part-time gig being an internet jock as well back in the day. We're talking 1999 to 2002, somewhere around there, where this was right when file sharing was happening and people were you know, AOL was dial up was huge. And this little internet radio station from Cleveland, Ohio was trying to change the world with live video stream and an interactive chatting and playing music. And there was all these different camera angles you could do inside this studio. And I really think it was just kind of ahead of its time. It was, I think because of Napster and some other financial decisions, it closed mm-hmm. early and it's, it was interesting how there's still an internet radio out there, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I, I always wonder, could it have survived? Well, you know, I mean, there are versions of that. In fact, it was AOL had for a while, they called it Slacker Radio on AOL. Mm. It got merged or bought up by LiveX Live. And I mean, I actually have an account and listen to it. They, you know, they got stations, they got Top 40, they got 80s, they got uh, New Wave, they got Death Metal, they've got, you know, all kinds, of, they got Christmas stations. I actually listen to that sometimes. So, you know, there is a, you know, and even like uh, Sirius XM Radio, they've got the, the online version of that. And sometimes, you know, I'll put that on. There is a market there for online radio. I think you're right when you mentioned the idea was ahead of its time. This is, you know, we're talking, this is before Web 2.0, right? So a lot of the capabilities that have come with the internet that have developed in the last 20 years weren't quite there yet. You, you know, like you said, you're on dial-up. The speed with which you could get stuff was a lot slower than what we can do today. And um, just the, the technology, you know, in a lot of ways wasn't quite ready for some of the stuff um like you said we that was the time napster was coming along file sharing was coming along um and i think you're right to say it was kind of the idea that was maybe ahead of its time and had it come by say seven eight years later you know maybe it's a a very different story because maybe the timing would have a little better yeah and as we discussed and kind of reminisced on this episode being an ij and being in that time period Everything still goes back to exactly what Tunes Made is, is went back to the music. Everyone had fond memories of playing the songs and interviewing the artists and interacting regarding the music. And if you think back, we talk about this a lot here on this podcast, that wherever you are, there is always a generation is looking at music and it's changing and it's adapting to that generation. So there's a lot of memories there. And I think the same thing happened talking about, well, let's talk about music 20 years ago or you know, what was happening back then and how'd you feel about it? And it, it's pretty interesting how I think that we're going to start seeing a lot more trends of looking back 20 years mm-hmm. happening fairly quickly. I think we talked about this on the Yacht Rock episode too. Yeah, the Yacht Rock, we got into the idea of you know looking at those hits from the 90s and early 2000s to some degree too that that sort of had the same feel but we're talking 15 20 years after the the time period that's generally covered by yacht rock of the 70s and 80s right late 70s early 80s right now i think you're right the idea that you know at some point we look back always and it tends to go in waves you know you're talking this is exactly when millennials were coming of age so in 1999 when this is starting the first millennials are like 18, 19, 20 years old, 
And so this was exactly when they were starting college, graduating high school, coming of age, in the same way that in the 70s, there was a big nostalgia for the 50s. People that were coming of age in the 50s now in the 70s are are getting to be closer to middle age in their 30s and 40s. And now, you know, well, you know, this year, the first millennials, if we think of the millennials as beginning in 1980, first millennials are turning 40. So, you know, we're right there where that we've seen the the movement in recent years of the, the recalling the 80s a lot and mm-hmm. to some degree the 90s but really the you know the 80s with stranger things and the goldbergs and all kinds of other stuff like that i think we're ready to probably see in the near future this sort of look back at the turn of millennium thing and um, like you said, that the music of the time and uh, the technology of the time and, and thinking about what life was like then. Yeah, because part of this episode, uh, Scotty J, one of the IJs, was talking about uh, a memory where he's like, oh, yeah, I think I had a flip phone with the camera. Wait a minute. I actually <laughs> no, I, I think I had a separate camera. <laughs> so mm-hmm. was even thinking back. I mean, that's before the iPhone. You know, it's it's funny you mentioned that sometimes in some of my classes, I use the old Fantastic Four film, the one from what about 2004 or so? Mm-hmm. The one that has uh, Jessica Album in it, Chris Evans in it, and the, Chris Evans' character actually uses a digital camera in it. And he makes fun of the old MasterCard commercials. And he's like, digital camera, $250, uh, memory stick, $55, you know, whatever he says. And to when I show that in class, I laugh because I'm thinking a lot of students in my college class who are like 18, 19, probably are like, what the heck is that? Right. You know, that was that was a time period where you bought this separate digital camera that was your camera and that took the place of, you know, the 35 millimeter that we grew up with in the 80s and 90s and 70s. And now it was this digital camera technology and all that's in your phone now. Like you said, you know, that's you didn't have that on your phone. Now, now you do. Well, there's a lot episode to, to reflect back and listen to and it was fun to get everyone back together and we even talked about we should do another one of these so who knows it's interesting like you said it always happens that you look back so let's look back and we will come back after this interview all right everybody welcome to another episode of tunes mate and i have the honor today to do a retrospect and talk about clevelandhits.com i've got Scotty Jones. Hey, hey, how you doing? Joey Loke. Good morning, everybody. And believe it or not, guys, back in the day, we were something called IJs. Internet jocks. Internet jocks. So I'll start with uh, Scotty. How did you end up there? You know, first off, you have to call me Scotty J because that's that's what I was inspired. Let's get into... Let's get into what it used to be. Um, All right. So I'll give you the dime store tour, I guess, because how I ended up there started off in this long, strange path where I was at a broadcasting school called Ohio Center for Broadcasting. And while I was at the broadcasting school, I ended up interning at JAMA 92.3. And my boss there was Big Dave Eubanks. Well, when JAMA 92 went under and the beat came in here in Cleveland, Big Dave, obviously everybody there lost their jobs. And I believe at the time, the operations manager at JAMA 92 was Mike Hilber. So Mike Hilber and Big Dave, I guess, had this idea to launch this online internet station. And for whatever reason, Big Dave remembered me. And I think partially because while we were internet jockeying with ClevelandHits.com, you know, Big Dave had helped me get into some local clubs to DJ, one of which was Panini's at the Riff. So 
Big Dave and I had become friends through DJing at clubs around town. And then it just kind of transitioned into this internet jockeying world. And it was, it's like a highlight of my early 20s. Like That's like my fondest memories were in that studio. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, it just I know we're kind of doing a quick synopsis, but if we did a Wicked page on clevelandhits.com, and Joey, I'll throw over to it in a second, but it was a dial-up. You can see the IJ. You can see them in there on video. You can request songs. It was a 24-7 like, hits channel, and it was crazy. And I, I remember, Joey, I see you. You had a, a whole stick going down. How did you get involved being an IJ over at ClevelandHits.com? Well, my entry into Cleveland Hits was a lot different than Scotty J. I kind of just fell into it, I guess. I, to be honest with you, like I was buddies, and I'm still buddies with uh, Sparky B, You know, a well-known DJ You know, in the Cleveland, uh, Ohio based dj he knew mike hilber he had done work for jam in 92 as well i had done some work while djing with sparky b for jam in 92 actually did a birthday party for one of mike hilber's daughters a few years prior to that so so i had come into contact with them but honestly i just started going to the station i didn't have a job there i knew sparky was doing it so i would go and be on his show and once he departed and i don't remember how or why he departed cleveland hits but once he departed they offered me that position and it transformed also while i was there into the promotions director so i kind of held two roles in my time there but uh yeah, I was the afternoon drive guy and then the promotions director. So just by showing up and I guess being being entertaining on camera and on air, I guess that got me the gig. That's, that's crazy. So it sounds like <laughs> you just fell into it. And mine was similar. I was the, uh, I'm going to, am I allowed to break my cover guys? Yeah, absolutely. I'm truly disappointed that there's no video on this blog or, or what we're doing because I seriously was going to have a mask on today in honor of you. Thank you. <laughs> that was the unknown IJ. So I, uh, I had a bag on my head and then I did an unveiling where then I had a, you know, a Jason mask at one time. So I guess you still can't see my face, but. <laughs> you know, I, I told my wife, I said, I got to get to the office by nine. I'm, I'm doing this reminiscing podcast with, you know, about Cleveland hits and, and I said, and Mark Majors is is going to be hosting it. And she goes, is he the guy that always wore the bag on his head? And I'm like, yeah, that was him. How, I mean, did you, I can't. Thinking back, did you wear it every single time? I did every single time. Oh my god! <laughs> I think if I did take it off, I had like a disguise on or something. You know, like uh, I think one time I dressed up as. Um, I think we did a Christmas special, so I think it was an elf. And another time it was Halloween. Yeah. You know. Oh my God. I, had fun I, with I, I guess thinking back, I knew that you wore it, you know, the bag, but I, I, I guess I just never realized that you wore it every single time. It was my secret identity. I definitely didn't realize that. Like that's, that's dedication. <laughs> I yeah. tried. My shift I think was on like Sunday nights or something. And then I would pop in every once in a while. When was yours, Scott? When was your shift? Yeah. Mine was Monday through Friday, 7 PM to midnight. So you were right after Joey. In, in spark yeah and i i mean i thoroughly enjoyed it seriously one of the fondest things about the whole process was you know i had met my wife previous but it was at my girlfriend at the time but she was along for the ride and i remember she would we were dating right so she would log in while i was on every night because she'd be home from work and you know we had these chat modules where you could chat with people who were listening and you became friends with them and 
you had this little control switcher in the studio and you can control, I think there was like six cameras and you can zoom and you can switch them and people would request songs. But every night my wife or girlfriend at the time would just log in and it was like hanging out with her and, you know, however many people would log in and, and listen. So, you know, I think our relationship grew because of clevelandhits.com. It was just, it was such an amazing time. That's crazy. I know Joey, for a fact, had a fan club because every time I would bust in there, <laughs> it was, you know, 20, 30 people you were chatting with it at the same time. I mean, it definitely, when you were an IJ, you were definitely multitasking. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. You were, like Scotty just said, there was cameras in the studio. You had to think about what angle you wanted to be viewed at through the Windows Media Player, you know, in the website. You had to think about chatting with your people. You, you know, you didn't want to be off the computer, but, you know, you spent a fine time figuring out doing a lot of, like you said, multitasking. Yeah, I mean, it's it's amazing to look back. What's even more amazing is to think about how long ago that was. And just like Scotty says, I mean, my my I've got a lot of fond memories and a lot of cool jobs. And I, I tell people that that was my 15 minutes of fame <laughs> because it was a worldwide internet radio show. Like how many people could say that they had a worldwide show in general and all of us can definitely say that and you know i think every i think everybody had a shtick i I don't remember if scotty i honestly don't remember what he did on his show as far as like like a shtick so to speak but i know i would bring in my microphone stand and when i would dj with sparky b like on the weekends for parties and weddings and whatnot you know we had blow up musical instruments and blow up microphones and things like that my shtick on air was you know i would pretend like i was singing the song in front of people even though I, you know, can't sing. So that was my shtick. And for whatever reason, people, I'm amazed that people logged on. Were you jumping around? Absolutely. I would jump around and sing and play air guitar and all that stuff. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it was crazy. And I think for me, I was trying to think back about all the things that happened there. Like you said, it definitely was that, you know, 15 minutes of fame. And I remember T-Love, he always had his wall of celebrities. I remember he had this infamous shot with, well, I think it was Tupac, and he always had his gallery of people he bumped into. I started reminiscing about what were some of my favorite moments. And one, and I'll let you guys share one, I literally had walked out of the studio and went into, there was like a, a snack area or like a lunch area with a couple of vending machines. And at one of the tables sitting there was Montel Jordan, the This Is How We Do It guy. Therefore, yeah. <laughs> I think he had a tune out called Get It On or something. It was like 2000. He was there promoting it or something. And I sat down at the table and I'm sitting there eating this pack of cheese crackers. And we're talking about music. He's telling me his favorite songs are like Come On Eileen and 80s tunes. And we found out that, you know, oh, we're, we're both adopted. Next thing you know, hey, Montel, we need you on air. And then he was gone. And I was like, did that just happen? Like, <laughs> Uh, Scotty did you have anything like that happen did you have any bumping anybody like that on your show you know there's a couple very fond memories real quick there was a group that was trying to break in it was you know in the 2000 area right right around 2000 2001 they were an alternative mainstream punk rock type group they were called SR71 they had this uh, single out it was called right now which I still love that song like if you're going to do some post here you got to throw that jam in right now under what I'm talking about it's so good and I remember the when it would play I would go nuts in the studio and I'd like dance around it's like you know it's like aggressive punk rock you know mosh pit kind of stuff and they had come in so I got to interview them in the studio when they were trying to get this you know song pushed and the record rep 
was like, hey, they're going to be playing at this club in Youngstown. Come with us. And I'm like, uh, yeah. And I remember hanging out with them. They took us out to dinner. And it was like when we're sitting around eating dinner before they go on stage, there were groupies, if you will, that knew them. And it was the most fun time because they couldn't be left alone. And, you know, they thought I was in the band. And I'm like, no, I'm just along for the ride. And like these girls were throwing themselves at this group. And it was awesome. It was such an epic night. And similar experience with Lit. You know, my own worst enemy group was shortly after that song had come out and we had brought them in a studio and then they were playing at the Agora that night and they're like, come on down, hang out on the tour bus. So I got to go down and hang out on the tour bus with Lit. Th- those were some awesome, awesome That's nights. Crazy. For sure. What about you, Joe? Do you remember that song? I, you remember I right remember now? that. I still have their CD, Scotty, that they autographed. Heck yeah, bro. You know, <laughs> you know what's funny is I've got a few memories as well. Some of the things that stand out in my mind is being on air before the ghoul and getting to hang out with the ghoul. And any anybody who is from Cleveland should know who the ghoul is if you're old enough. And if I'm not mistaken, he recently passed away. So, you know, rest yeah. in peace to the ghoul. But talk about an on-air personality. The fact that he was signed on to come in and do a show and hanging out with him was obviously, you know, a, a highlight for me. And then... Like you said, meeting SR-71, meeting Montel Jordan. If I'm not mistaken, I got to interview Montel as well on air. One of the highlights of my life, not just career at Cleveland Hits, my life was interviewing the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders. Any guy would have truly loved to be in my place that day. I'll tell you the story, and then I'll tell you you know, an even funnier story that goes along with it. So the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders were coming because – you know, back when Cleveland had the uh, indoor soccer team, the Cleveland Force, they were doing a halftime show as the, you know, Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders at, you know, in downtown Cleveland. I forget what the arena where they played. I think it was Cleveland State University. I'm not mistaken. They uh, they invited me and they said, hey, we don't have somebody to announce us onto the halftime show. Would you like to like Scotty J? Would you like to come and announce us? And, and so I got to hang out with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders after the show. And not only that, then, so now I'm at the, you know, the indoor soccer arena and people from the Cleveland Forest are asking me, hey, we have a celebrity soccer game that's happening soon. Do you want to play in it? And I'm thinking to myself, like, I'm not even a celebrity, like, really, you know, I mean, I just host an internet radio show, but truly I'm not, I, I wouldn't consider myself a celebrity, but I was like, yeah, I'll play. And so I was so excited and I call my mother after the show on the way home and I, mom, guess what? You know, the hanging out with the Dallas Cowboy cheerleaders, the, the Cleveland Force are having a celebrity game and they want me to play. And my mother says, why, why did they invite you? And I was like, and I was like, gee, that, you know, leave it to your mother to throw you back into reality because for a second, you know, you thought you were a celebrity and then it's like, well, you're really, your mom's like, no, you're not. And so, so that's definitely one of the highlights of my career. But, you know, I have, um, I don't know if, if Scotty or any of you guys did this, but on Cleveland Hits Letterhead, I had everybody that I that I interviewed a celebrity autograph it to Joey Loke or to, you know, to whoever Cleveland Hits or whatever. And I put them all in frames. I have them in a box because they're still not up in my apartment here in California, but I plan on taking them out here soon. You know who else is a highlight is, uh, remember the thong song? Cisco and Drew Hill were on my show. Um, yeah, yeah. So I got to interview those guys, you know, a lot of local celebrities just, yeah. I mean, just come to mind that, I mean, those are just some of the highlights right there that, that I remember. So, 
No, yeah, that's crazy. I mean, from all those people coming through, Scotty, I mean, you you were able to kindle a relationship there as well. I mean, oh, yeah. that's, man, those are some good stories. I mean, ClevelandHits.com was definitely ahead of its time. It was, and I think that's why it didn't succeed. You know, the, the ClevelandHits.com was supposed to be, you know, the first location of a nationwide thing, right? Like DallasHits.com, ChicagoHits.com, IndianapolisHits.com, I mean, you name it, any major city. It was supposed to, I think they even had mouse pads with like every, don't you guys remember the mouse pads in all the offices? Studios that had the little stars on every city that they yes. were going to expand to. And I think that's the reason why it failed is because it was maybe two or three years early because, you know, at the time people had to use dial up to get on. I mean, their broadband access wasn't even a thing. And we were trying to force six lane highway of data into like a draw, right? Yeah, between our audio and our video feed and the chat module. I mean, it was a resource hog for most computers. And nowadays, I think it could be handled pretty easily. I mean, you could have handle from a phone, it could handle from a laptop. But I don't think it would survive now simply because now you've got iTunes and Apple streaming and you've got Spotify and all these other platforms and iHeartRadio. It could never survive. But if it would have come out a few years later, before everything else came, I think it definitely could have survived. Yeah, it was. It definitely was. Our, Jim, our technical guy, I know every day I'd go back in that server room and he would just give you that look. You know, we're, we're old and steady today, guys. Yeah. yeah, how are we maintaining? How are we, we're still up. I mean, we're good. I was thinking about things and experiences that came of this. And, and I just want to, this is something that was a life changer for me. The Cleveland uh, Air Show was in town like it normally is on Labor Day weekend. And we were doing spots and promos for it and we were pitching it. And because we're in the media, they had invited anybody from Cleveland Hits to come out and sort of interview a pilot and do a little thing. And I, so I was like, I volunteered. I don't know if you guys know this, but I volunteered at clevelandhits.com. I said, I'll go down there. You know, it was before my seven o'clock showtime on a, on a Wednesday or something like that, leading into the air show weekend. And apparently they had, the air show had invited a whole bunch of the media to come out and go up in a support plane while the guy who flies the 1-800-COLLECT plane does his practice, right? So you fly next to him. I have never heard this story. Oh my God, you're about to crap your pants. So we show up um, at Burke Lakefront Airport and I'm the only person from the media who shows up. The only person. I mean, they invited Channel 3, 8, 5, whatever, right? Any radio station. I'm the only person who shows up. The pilot, I still remember his name, was Walter A. Linscott Jr. And he looks at me and he goes, you're the only one here. He goes, there's no need for a support plane. He goes, come with me. And we jump in his little BMW on the tarmac and we go racing towards this hangar and his, and his convertible. And he's like, give me one second. He comes out and we get in this little tiny plane, like a little Cessna. He's like, come with me. I'm like, where are we going? He's like, just come with me. I'm like, all right, whatever. So I jump in his little Cessna and we start, we took off and we flew to like the middle of Ohio. It was like a cornfield. I don't even, we landed in a cornfield, I swear <laughs> to God. And we landed in the cornfield and we, we taxied up to like this farmhouse. And I'm like, what are we doing? And he's like, I'm getting you a parachute. And I go, what do I need a parachute for? He goes, I'm getting you a parachute. Just trust me. I'm like, okay. We go into the house and there's this like, like in the dining room, there's like all these parachutes laid out. Apparently this is like 
a jump school, right? Where like people go and they learn how to parachute. So um, he's like, this one fits. We're good. And he says hello to the guy who runs the place. And he's like, all right, we're leaving. We get back in the plane and we fly back to Cleveland. He lands at Berkeley Fun Airport. I'm like, now what? He's like, I got to get your parachute on. So he's strapping me in this thing. And then he takes me and we walk across the hangar to the 1-800, like the collect plane, like the actual plane. And he goes, get in. So he strapped me in, like the open thing. And instead of going up in a support plane for his practice, I went up while he Oh, my practiced. gosh. We took off from Burke and we flew over Diaga Lake, which was still active. He goes, there's less people over here. So if anything happens, you know, we're fine. I'm like, okay, whatever you say, sir. You know, I can hear him, but he can't hear me, right? Because I don't have a mic, but I got a headset on. So if he's giving me instructions, because he's sitting behind me in an open cockpit plane and I'm in front of him <laughs> with an open cockpit. So when he says something, I have to put my hand up, like if it's good or not. And he's like, in about 10 seconds, we're going to start having fun. And I'm like, I put, my, I put my thumb up. And he's like, all right, we're going to flip upside down in three. And all of a sudden, <laughs> whoop, the plane's upside down. Like, he, just, he flipped it upside down. And we're flying upside down, and my head is dangling, you know. And I'm like, Wah! I'm screaming my head off. And then he proceeded to go through everything that you see him do in the show. Like shooting the plane straight up in the air until it stalls out and then it goes into a flat spin. I can hear him in the back pulling it like a like a lawnmower trying to restart the plane. And then we're diving into Geauga Lake and he pulls it up and you can feel the G's and he's doing the barrel rolls and the spins. And I mean, we spent 45 minutes just doing aerobatics and it was just me and him. It was the most um, I mean, I will never get that experience in my life ever again. (sighs) I remember coming back into Burke Lake Front Airport and it was a windy day. And he goes, you know, this is the, the world's hardest plane to land because it had like the two front wheels. And then the back wheel was like, it's like a skateboard wheel. Like it just, you just literally set the rear of the plane on the ground and it just kind of skids. And he goes, and today's a really windy day. And I'm like, oh, sh- crap, you know, this, and he hits the ground and we bounce and we bounce. And finally he stuck the landing. Oh man, it was I mean, my heart was racing out of my chest. I don't think I stopped shaking for like a week. It was the most oh my god experience ever. I all the Cleveland. That hit. is incredible. I definitely wouldn't have done it. No way. Yeah. No way. Oh yeah, I was like, I, I'm still speechless when I think back. Like, I can't believe I got. I didn't even know the guy. Like, I got in a plane with some stranger, but I mean, he's a stranger who flies aerobatic planes for a living. But it's still, you're like, you got in a plane. Like, I could have died. That is the best story you know? ever. There's no way to top that. I mean, that's that is insane. I mean, Cleveland hits definitely did open up some doors, but uh, that is an interesting door that was opened. <laughs> at, at least he didn't say jump. Out that's where I thought the story was going. No, honestly, no, no. I you know the parachute was if I had to jump out, I guess you know. But you know he was looking out for me. But and the worst part about it, you know, we all had flip phones or something back then, right? Twenty I mean, years this was, ago, I probably had a dark whatever. Yeah, it was 20 years ago. When I strapped myself in the plane and he locked me in, I'm like, oh, crap. Like we started taking off and I'm like, my damn phone, the only way to take any kind of picture or anything. Actually, I don't even think my phone took pictures. No, I think I had a camera in my pocket and it it ended up way strapped in. I couldn't get it out. I So I have literally zero documentation of the experience. It's documented now. If I could backtrack for a moment, I think me personally, 
I think why Cleveland hits failed is a couple things that definitely aided in the in the failure process. Not that Cleveland hits did anything on purpose to cause it, but what I mean by by that is back when we were playing the music, there was no recording industry law that said you know like terrestrial radio you had a or you had to pay any copyright fees to the artists or anything like that. So I think it was back in 2002 when the recording industry passed the law that said internet stations had to pay for the rights, just like just like regular radio stations. I mean, it, it obviously took away the ability to play music that wasn't being paid for, which I think that was one of the contributing factors because it went to, you know, us playing local unsigned bands and stuff like that. Not that not that, that you know, I mean, local music is fine. I think it was just, but when you're catering to a global market and you're only playing people from Cleveland, Ohio, you know, that person in Sao Paulo, Brazil is not that, you know, engaged at that point. But um, I think that's one of the factors that did it. Plus, I think another factor was the marketing in general. Like we're talking about, you got a global scale radio station, but your advertising and your giveaways are to the local market. So, you know, hey, be the 10th person to text in or chat in and you and a Mr. Hero Romanberger, how is that person in Brazil going to get that? So I think, you know, looking back, I think some of the marketing, like the global things like 1-800-Flowers that were at the time and, you know, things like that that could have been catered globally, I think would have made more sense to try to give away some prizes and things like that. But obviously, you know, because it was a local station, you want to do some of the local things. I just think those were, there was a lot of factors that, that contributed mm-hmm. to it. And like you said, being before it's time was definitely another factor, I think. Yeah. I always think about Napster and what is it, Lars from Metallica. We can just blame him definitely for the demise of yeah. the music royalties. But I mean, you bring up a great point. I mean, Scotty, you talked about it earlier about, you know, right now about competing and music and streaming and this kind of a different business model. But if you think about it, if there was a sanpalohits.com or whatever it would be, then maybe you could have catered to that market. But definitely because of logistics, that was a challenge. Technologies was a challenge. And I don't know. To me, I think the thing that kept things pumping, though, was always the music. I just I know there were some great mixes and between Dave Eubanks and then I think T-Love later picked up the ball and was doing the programming. There was always good music. And to me, that's what kept me going. There. Yeah, absolutely. And that, I think that's one of the keys to its success was, you know, when I look back and I tell people what it was, you know, I, I truly tell people it was a top 40 station. It wasn't, you know, an R&B station. It wasn't a rap station. It wasn't a rock station. We truly played anything and everything that was good music, regardless of the genre, which is truly what a top 40 station is. I, and I think that that's what the appeal was. I really do. I think the music, oh, you know, overall, the, the gimmicks of us IJs and things like that, you know, I think the music at the end of the day was the underlying factor that tied everybody together coming into that station. They logged on because they wanted to hear good music. And while they were there, they got to be entertained. So, I mean, what else could you want, especially if you're working, sitting in a cubicle for eight hours a day or when at home just relaxing, you know? Yeah. Scotty, what jams are currently are you surfacing on your, your iPod or I said streaming, I should say? Oh, me personally? Somehow I ended up in a, I guess I'm a country fan now. I don't know how that happened. You know, growing up, I was like a punk rock ska kid. And then somehow I transitioned to like... Mm-hmm you know, singer songwriter stuff. I think the older I get, the slower I get. I don't know, but I'm in this artist like Luke Combs and Eric Church and Thomas Rhett and Sam Hunt. Like those kinds of artists speak to me now. I don't know why, but 
I'm sure in a few years it'll change again. But with that said, like I'm still the type of person that will, I just love live music. I go to, I don't care if it's a classical concert, a, a rock show, a, a pop show. I mean, Michael Bublé, the Bruno Mars, like I'll just, I love live music. And, and I, if I'm driving, like I, I never turn on a radio station and then quickly turn it off because like, I just love it all. But if I if I had to put on a Spotify channel, it's probably a country. What about you, right Joey? Now. What's spinning in your world? Well, I listen to the local KISS station here in San Diego where I work throughout the day. So, you know, my job is to drive to people's homes and help them do some stuff AT&T related. So a lot of my time is spent in the car. So I'm on the radio. Um, but I discovered this station. I think it's called Magic 92.5, if I'm not mistaken. If you guys get a chance to download the app, and I've got no affiliation with these guys, but but I just found out about this yesterday. They've got an app that you can download and obviously listen to their music. But kind of reminds me of Cleveland Hits because they play all the old school jams, but they don't just they don't just play one style of jam. Like like yesterday they were playing Madonna Holiday, and then they were playing Blackstreet, Don't Leave. Like I tend to listen to this station on my way home because around four o'clock, five o'clock, they have the after work mix at five or whatever you would want to call it, uh, where they just play nothing but the jams. So, yeah, I, I mean, I find myself listening to country music now as well. And I, and uh, the same type of people that Scotty was just talking about. And it's weird to me that, you know, the, what I would have thought was country almost doesn't even sound like it's country anymore, even though those artists are labeled as country artists. So my musical taste is just anything that's got a good beat and anything that's got that's good musically, you know, I'll listen to it. Like, God, I, I don't try to limit myself to one genre. Whatever appeals to me at the time is what I listen to. Good music is good music. Yeah, that's... It's kind of my my same philosophy too, and that's uh, that's the philosophy of Tunesmate, which essentially tries to drive people to just listen to music that you haven't thought about. Like for example, we recently posted something that I was like, "Wait a minute!" So you always hear these Pat Benatar songs. We probably know them all, right? Hit me with a wet, you know, uh, what was it? Uh, Your best what's, shot. Best shot. Yeah, I was going to hit me with a wet snot, which I think was a weird outcover that never made it. <laughs> yeah. But uh, there was. Uh, she actually had another tune that like then went to like number 38. I think it's like, oh, no, or something like that. But it's like, I didn't even realize Pat Benatar had any other, you know, top 40 hits. So a lot of times there's other songs that jump out and you're like, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that. And I think that's kind of the magic of music is you're constantly trying, at least for me, I'm constantly trying to find something else to keep me inspired and going. And I guess that's, that's what drives me. And I, I can sense that it's similar in you guys. So I, Joey, I, I sense that you're out on the road, you're helping people out. And Scotty, what are you doing these days? Uh, I feel <laughs> like I'm doing too much. Um, I'm still in Cleveland. I am heavily involved in the weddings and special events industry. So my daily thing is I own and manage a company called Cleveland Music Group, where we service about 1,600 events a year with like live bands and DJs and jazz groups and string ensembles. And then last year in September, I partnered up with a couple of people and we bought a wedding venue or a special events venue on the east side of Cleveland in Chagrin Falls called Sun Valley. So we host weddings and celebrations there. And I'm also involved in a startup called Tour My Venue and uh, a couple of other things. So I, uh, I, I feel like I'm being pulled in 100 directions, but it all feels right and it feels good to be busy. So I'm kind of just active in all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it sounds like Cleveland Hits gave you some direction and now you've been off running both you guys. It's been it sounds like the memories are definitely still there, which is 
been something along with myself as well. I, I always think about clevelandhits.com and, and how it just really helped propel, I think, the industry. Because if you think about it, there was also a technology on there that where you can request songs. So you could say like, oh, every hour, and then the system would auto-generate so you can vote. They're actually... I think Daniel Anstag was, I think he was an early pioneer that took that technology and now that's running on almost every single radio network that's out there where the whole weekend I think is completely automated. So I think the technology that was actually on clevelandhits.com is running most of the radio stations on the weekends that we listen to. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't know know that either. I think it's called Futury Media if you look it up. Wow. And was that create was that stuff created by Jimmy the you know the behind the scenes guy at Cleveland Hits? Where did he come up with that? To my knowledge, I think I'm not I don't know how that all played out, but I do know that Daniel at the time I think was uh, you know 12, 13 years old listening to ClevelandHits.com had his own station. Wow! And then went ahead and based upon some of that early interaction, and I could, don't know the full history, but I do know that shortly after that. He went ahead and started that company. And to me, I feel like there was definitely some connection to ClevelandHits.com, which I don't know what it is. But I do know that most of the stations I listen to on the weekend, I can tell that they're automated. Yeah. Well, you'll have to interview that guy on one of your one of your podcasts. Bring him back. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things, you know, Jay Lewis, who was also one of the IJs, was who was supposed to be with us today. Um, one of the things that Jay Lewis does is, you know, he's got a current internet radio station, Blast Radio FM. So I was very interested this morning to um, hear Mm -hmm. about how is he doing and what is he doing and how did he come about doing what he's doing? Because, and and Mark, you know, we've talked in the past about potentially trying to do another Cleveland Hits type of thing. And it's only been in the the talk. It has never come to fruition. But thinking about ClevelandHits.com and doing another Cleveland Hits, Another way, an easy way to explain what Cleveland Hits is to anybody who doesn't understand is, you know, you see all these DJs going on Facebook and doing a Facebook live video. I mean, essentially, that's ClevelandHits.com in a nutshell is you've got a DJ on air hosting an Internet radio show with cameras in the studio interviewing people just like it's a normal radio show for hours with the ability to talk to the people, they can communicate. So, I mean, in essence, a Facebook Live DJ set is very similar to what Cleveland Hits was without all the, you know, the advertising and the promotions and all that other stuff. So I'm excited to maybe get into Facebook more and do some Facebook Live stuff and not do it like DJs are doing now where they're spinning sets like they're in a club, but just kind of, you know, playing music and hosting an actual show. And and not that I'm looking to even make money out of it. Like Scotty says, it, you know, and like we all know that those were some of the fondest memories. So when I look back on what would I like to do at, you know, at, at growing older in life, I would love to maybe get in, do that from now on and, or, you know, do a part-time thing every couple nights or once or twice a week and get back into the Joey Logue show and, and and I and I think I still have all my uh, you know this is Montel Jordan and you're listening to the Joey Loke show I think I still have all of those celebrity drops uh, bad, bad boy Bill announcing the Joey Loke show and and all that stuff so yeah some somewhere I have all that stuff I just need to find it awesome well it sounds like there's more to come got an interview with Jay Lewis we got to reach out to Daniel Anstag we got to do this whole thing so 
Guys, I wanted to thank you for jumping on the podcast today, telling your stories and reminiscing about ClevelandHits.com. I feel like there's more here so we can dive into this in the future. So, Scotty, thanks for being on. Uh, thank you for having me. It's been, uh, I, it's like the greatest start to a morning ever. So thank you. And thank you, Joey. Yeah, for sure, Mark. I, you know, it's been a while since me and you have talked or, you know, I think the last yeah. time I was in Cleveland, I, I did a show with you or hung out with you. I don't remember the exact, it's been that long since, but I know we, we ate at Panini's afterwards. So it's great to get back with you. And Scotty, I don't think I've talked to you since Cleveland hit. So it's been almost 20 years since me and you have connected. So it's just great to reminisce and it's great to, to talk to old friends. I agree. I agree. Good catching up, you guys. We'll bring in Hilbert next time. We'll we'll make it a, a bigger party and bring in Jay. So thanks again, everybody. Hope you have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, man. See you. See ya. All right. Welcome back from the interview. Hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, that was fascinating to kind of hear all those stories and talking about some of the celebrities and the music and everything. And I've been seeing recently, Ray, I mean, you've been continually pumping out music to help get us through everything together. I mean, I'm telling you, I, I look forward to listening to these tunes almost every day. Yeah, I think, you know, it's been interesting writing it. When I first started off back in, what, March, you know, it was really easy to start coming up with songs. And now I'm kind of, it takes a little work now to make sure that I I'm not, I don't want to repeat anything. I don't want to vary it. You know, I don't want to like have like a bunch of 80 songs or a bunch of 60 songs all in a row. Sometimes I'll get one or two in a row. So what ends up happening a lot is that as I'm just listening to music through the week, songs will play or I'll think of songs and I'll jot down, oh yeah, you know, I think that could work. You know, and I try to get them to be things that would be either feel good or inspirational or talk about some kind of peace or love or something that's not just a, a romantic kind of thing or something like that. I try to stay away from that. You know, I did the one, Helen Reddy passed away recently and, and I heard the song You and Me Against the World and I said, wow, that's that's perfect for this. And so, you know, that's kind of how these things happen. Sometimes I've been doing some anniversaries lately. The anniversary of Growing Pains was recently. And so I put the theme song for that. I, I love the Evangelist's song that was used for Cosmos 40 years ago. I use that as the daily 80s flashback and the, the music to get us through everything together in the same day because I just I wanted to, to celebrate that song. And so, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of fun. It, it takes a little work. It's kind of nice to see this big playlist, right, of, of just stuff to kind of to make us feel good. Yeah, I've been having fun with the Working Remotely series. It's been interesting to dig up all these you know live from home performances and some of them i was blown away with recently i put up i don't know if you listened to that rick astley he did a cover of the foo fighters everlong i was like what i was gonna mention that one i have been loving the working remotely that i think it's been a great feature you've added to the site and uh, the crowded house one was really good I, I really felt that one but i was gonna mention the rick astley one i it's funny because there was recently an article about Rick rolling and how it's still a thing and how people know who Rick Astley was. And I, and then I, I was watching the, the working remotely. And like you said, he's doing the Foo Fighters and it's a great rendition and he's playing guitar along with singing. And I think it, you know, it, Rick Astley is one of those guys who people who think that pop music is crap or whatever, you know, they'll make fun of him, right? He's this goofy pop singer, whatever. And yet he's actually a serious musician. And here he is 32 years, more than 32 years after his, his first hit and his big hit. And he's, it's almost like he's going to get the last laugh down the road. Everybody's going to remember, never going to give you up. 
and it's going to become one of the lasting songs of the 1980s. You know, here he is still making music and sounding strong as ever. I loved it. I absolutely loved it. And I love the feature. The thing that amazed me about Rick Astley in particular was that I looked at his YouTube channel and it was rather dormant for a little bit there. And so my question that I keep thinking about is these artists, they've got to be just sitting around just itching to do something. And they finally are like, fine, I'm going to turn on my camera and I'm going to do something. And I feel like there's some older posts that I've been finding, but I've been recently seeing that for some reason, everyone's just starting to start recording music and really put it out there. And it's been really cool to stumble upon these things. But same with same thing with you, Ray. It's like finding some of these and not trying to repeat and mm-hmm. keeping it interesting is it seems to be i guess the common theme well and i think the the two put together right the the working remotely and the music to get us through everything together it's going right back to our site that this is about music this is about the joy of music this is about the love of music and in our contemporary situation the idea that we're showing both how music can help keep us going and help bring us together and help, you know, inspire us and, you know, just make us feel okay, even if make us feel good or simply make us feel okay. And at the same time, we can see what, from what you're doing, how artists are working through this and kind of changing maybe the way they do things. You know, that some of these, some of the working remotely, they're, they're new songs. Some of them are just redoing their old songs. Some of them, they're covering other people's songs. And so we're getting to see like sort of the inside these artists' lives. You can see maybe a little of their house while we're at it, right? You know, whatever room they're, they're filming this, this in and uh, whatever room they're recording this in. And so it's kind of showing us multiple sides of how music is working during the pandemic. And I think it's, it's a good compliment. And I think it's really showing the strength of what you created and what we've been building the last 11 years. It's uh, definitely a labor of love, but it's been fun. And make sure that you favorite, you give a comment, subscribe, all those things you can do with a podcast and also the site. So we thank you for being a continued listener, the tunes mate. And Ray, I did want to throw this out here. I had a recent friend pass away and Radar Kilowatt was his musician name. So do a little little shout out there to in remembrance of radar and i hope everyone's you know hanging in there and continuing to find inspiration from everything that we're continually to do and we're having fun doing it so we're hoping you enjoy it well uh once again thanks for tuning in we hope you had a good time and once again i'm mark and i'm ray and we will see you next time